Is this thing still on? I think they can hear us a bit better now. Should we keep talking? Of course. Let's say it louder for those in the back. Hi, and welcome to the Green Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion about health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And my name is Sarah Fung. And we are your podcast hosts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can get updates on new episodes. If you love our podcast and our advocacy work, please go to www.grittynurse.com and click on the Support Us button. This will give you access to exclusive episodes and early releases on a monthly basis. This will help us with the cost of running the podcast, the time and energy to put out awesome and informative episodes. And for that, we thank you and we appreciate you. Dun, 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 dun. It is just a the Sarah two and of us. Amy episode, finally. Just the two of us. Just the we two of us. We can make it if we try. <laughs> we always have to do that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, again, thank you guys for listening to us. Um, Today we have a little bit of a rant, and I'm sure it's a rant that everyone else is thinking about and that's on everyone else's mind. I think it's time that we talk a little bit about the convoy, and I think it's important to talk about the convoy in the context of this is the most factual thing. And I think that, you know, American media is really getting this wrong 90% of the time because they really still can't tell the difference between Ottawa, Windsor, and Toronto, which is hilarious when we are watching it. But I think the first thing I want to say about the convoy, the protest for the mandates, is, is this one pearl. The majority of Canadians do not support the convoy. <laughs> like, right. the majority. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. The majority of Canadians do not support the convoy. Yeah, and I'll just throw in here also that the majority of truck drivers are vaccinated and also do not support the convoy. And I think it's just become this whole thing where I feel like we're now the laughing stock of the U.S., which is kind yeah. of reverse of how it normally is. And it's just crazy. Like, you can't make this kind of stuff up. Like, I wish this was a dream or a TV show, but unfortunately, it's not. And the more that I follow this. It's like the worst it actually gets. But maybe before we dive into this, maybe for um, those listeners who haven't totally kept up to date, um, I'm just going to read out a little summary of basically what's happened, just so everyone knows. So basically, up until January of this year, Canada and the U.S. were allowing exemptions for unvaccinated cross-border truckers, um, and this was due to the existing supply chain disruptions. So these exemptions ended on January 15th of this year, and the United States exemption ended on the same day. But as I said, about 85% of Canadian truck drivers have been vaccinated, and we're talking about the re the remaining about twelve to sixteen thousand of truckers who are unvaccinated. So they can actually still drive within Canada, but they just can't cross the border. And the Canada Convoy Protest, aka Freedom Convoy, is a series of ongoing protests and blockades in Canada against the COVID nineteen vaccine mandates and restrictions. 
So originally this protest was for crossing the border, but later evolved into a protest about COVID-19 restrictions in general. And beginning on January 22nd, hundreds of vehicles formed convoys from several points in Canada and arrived in Ottawa a week later with a rally at Parliament Hill. The convoys were then joined by thousands of pedestrian protesters, and this led to several offshoot protests that have blockaded provincial capitals and border crossings with the United States. Then on February 11th, Ontario Premier Doug Ford declared a state of emergency, and this included new legal sanctions on um, trade routes, highways, airports, bridges, and actually uh, the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden spoke on February 11th to discuss ending the blockades at the border. On February 14th, for the first time in Canadian history, Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergency Act in response to the protests. So not everybody knows this, but the convoy has been condemned by the trucking industry as well as labor groups. The Canadian Trucking Alliance stated that most protesters actually had no connection to trucking and protesters were seen drinking and dancing on the National War Memorial and Tomb of the Unknown Soldier as well as a Terry Fox statue. Officials have raised concern about the protesters' involvement with far-right extremist groups, including those who promote violence, and some have even called for the federal government of Canada to be overthrown. Um, As of today, or sorry, I should say as of yesterday, the demonstrations were down to about 150 people, vehicles were down to about 300 from more than 400 at the height of the protests, and as of yesterday, the chief of the Ottawa police had resigned. (laughs) So I said this is going to be short, but actually there's like a lot of stuff going on here and a lot of stuff we need to unpack. Yeah. So let's let's go first to talking about, you know, the, the reason why this convoy was supposed to be kind of initialized. And the reason was because of mandates. They didn't want any mandates. They they right. They didn't want they they wanted all of that to be gone. What I'm gonna say is I think people have the right to protest, right? I think it's the right to have that expression to say, you know, I do not agree with what's happening. I think everyone should have that right. The other piece that I'd like to talk about is now the whole reason they were supposed to be out there was, you know, talking about the mandates. They were unhappy about the mandates. Fine. But I don't believe in what we've seen over the last couple days, weeks, I should say, last few weeks, is this is not about mandates. This is a ruse. This is a ruse to funnel money to far right groups. Like you said, Sarah, there are like some of the leaders aren't even truck drivers. Like this is insane. Right. This just started as something and it totally snowballed into something else where I feel like it's out of control now. And you mentioned the GoFundMe. So the GoFundMe wasn't even started by truck drivers, right? It was started by two people who had connections to alt-right groups. Yep. I found a tweet and essentially it's it's actually from um, the surfs on, on Twitter. And essentially what this person says is, you know, it's pretty telling, but not a lot of people know that none of the four key organizers of the truck rally, again, like are truckers. And it's just some of the things that I've seen that they stand for is really scary. So for example, I saw this, James Botter shares QAnon hashtags. Benjamin Ditcher claims the Liberal Party is infested with Islamists. Jason LaFace is linked to racist the racist group Soldiers of Odin. 
Tamara Lich is an Alberta separatist and a member of the Yellow Vest and Racist Clarion uh, Project. And Pat King, oh my God, we can't say enough about this um, special character. Mm -hmm. He's also an Alberta separatist who warns of the Anglo-Saxon replacement. So essentially... A, a theory where you know there's depopulation of the white race, and that really let's 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 just call it what it is. It's it's white supremacy and white nationalism. Right. Right. So this is not about you know um, these mandates. Really, what it sounds to me is an alt, a far alt right group, as well as they just don't like Justin Trudeau. And you know what? A lot of people don't like Justin Trudeau. Fine. Cool. But you know what? Using other people's money for your far right, um, really terrorist type of activity is not actually okay. Just like I actually put out a tweet the other day where I was like, you know, you cannot like this political leader. There's lots of political leaders I like. I didn't vote for Justin Trudeau. But, you know, I think it it goes as far as the point is like, I don't like this person. I'm just not going to vote for them. I'm going to exercise my democratic right to vote for someone who I think should be in power. And if we believe in the democratic, uh, the democratic process, then when we all vote and we share our voices, and then this this person's the leader, that's who society has chosen. Um, that's really how it should kind of end. But you know, when I'm hearing people talking about attacks on this person's life or wanting to kill the prime minister, like I think that's it's not even like that's just not okay. That is like fucked up. Well, yeah, I mean, like at the end of the day. He's still a person, right? And we need to treat each other with respect. Even though if you don't agree with anything he's ever said, at the end of the day, he's still a person. He doesn't he doesn't deserve to have his life threatened or to be told that he's gonna get his head cut off or you're gonna go after his family like that. That just speaks to who you are as a person. So this is the kind of society we've evolved into where we threaten our prime minister and you know, we say we're gonna kill people. What have we become? Like really, at the end of the day, what is happening here? It's it's actually insanity. And I think I think maybe there are now some people that might have been initially, you know, um, at the truckers convoy saying that, you know, yeah, we feel like our freedoms are being taken away because of these mandates. And they're starting to hear it's not even dog whistles anymore. It's like they're starting to hear these racist undertones and being like, oh, like, what is actually happening here? And this whole like U.S. interference Okay, let's really talk about what what's actually happening here. One, the U.S. has I don't know what is happening, but it's like they they're really reporting not the accurate uh, forms of information. And again, like the the main messaging really should be like majority of Canadians do not support these individuals that are causing these blockades because it's not just about mandates. It's it's not about mandates now at all. We know it's not about mandates. It's about the fact that this group feels that there's tyranny and they feel that Justin Trudeau is this evil evil person and he's trying to like ruin ruin the world or he's a globalist or whatever these other uh, things that these individuals say and they actually want they're like calling for blood. It's it's actually like I think it's insanity. And I think that you know there was a lot of things that could have been done before all of this happened. I think there should be, again, just like with healthcare, we need to preemptively think about, you know, some of the things that people do and respond to them way in advance. I think that if we look at the whole pandemic, Sarah, I think we can say that it's just been mismanaged. It's been a shit show. We should have never had surgeries being canceled. You know, there's a lot of things that I see, and of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. Of things that could have been done very differently. And I think 
Like, I mean, I think they all have their their hand in some of the most horrible things that we've seen over the pandemic. But again, the one other thing that they're saying is these protests are, you know, they're not they're not impinging on anybody else's freedom. They're overwhelmingly positive. Um, no, they're not. They are actually these same people that are like, oh, we want our freedom. We're honking for two weeks straight. And the poor citizens of Ottawa couldn't sleep. There were ambulances that were blocked. There were no access to the border. There were there were people that were like yelling at children. Like I saw a report today of it was like a child in BC that was essentially like trying to get to their school and they were wearing a mask. And these people that are that are a part of the convoy were like yelling and swearing at this kid for wearing a mask. Like Mm-hmm. So therefore, their freedoms, but everyone else's freedoms don't matter. Right, right. So, so you have the right to protest. You have the right of you know your freedom of speech. But when you think that your rights supersede the rights of everybody else, including the most vulnerable, that's messed up. And you know, one thing that I wanted to talk about, which really disturbed me, was the fact that when they were looking at who was in the trucks. of the people were children. So, you know, like using children as a human shield, having children, you know, leave their house and they're camped out in the back of these trucks, right? They're exposed to all kinds of things like the elements, like gas fumes, and never mind the fact that they're not in school. But what I (laughs) were like, I was like, these are school age kids. They're not just, you know, not in school. And I just, the thing I worry about the most is like these children are learning that this type of behavior is okay. So if you don't like something, you can just drive your truck down, park it in downtown, block everything up, honk, you know, swear at people. And that to them is the acceptable behavior they're learning from their parents. Yeah. Like, I I mean, just talking about the children, I think seeing, seeing that picture, I'm trying to remember where I first saw it. I think I might've first saw it on like the Dean Blundell podcast or one of his Twitter feeds seeing those children like all lined up and holding hands and it was it was actually kind of terrifying because I'm pretty sure that these same groups were the ones that complained about schools being closed as well and it's like okay you know we're following public health measures uh we're closing the schools because there's too many outbreaks and they're like well this affects our children's mental health well what the fuck do you think you're doing with having your kids on the front lines at at a protest that is not peaceful that that maybe um, started peaceful, but is not peaceful anymore. Having your kids out of school for three or four weeks at a time and exposing them in this manner or using them as like as a human shield, it's it's insane. And I think that we we need to really call this out and we need to talk about it even from like our, the healthcare provider perspective, because. Look at what happened with, you know, nurses and physicians in Toronto. They were telling people, the police officers were telling uh, nurses and physicians, don't dress in scrubs or ways that you can, they can identify you. So, so you might not be harassed. Who are the bad guys? Like, are we the ones that should be in fear of wearing our scrubs because they might yell and swear at us? Like, that's insane. I know. I think that this this is almost as bad as when we were being spat on, right? When healthcare workers were being spat on just for going to work. This is almost taking it a step further because it's like, not only are there no protections for you, now you have to pretend like you're not a healthcare worker so that you can safely get to and from work. 
Like, I just don't even know how that's okay. So the problem is not the healthcare workers. The root cause of the problem is like, how are you going to address this behavior from this group? Not putting it on healthcare workers to now have to do more just to get to work, right? Like we're, we're looking at this completely backward. That was the Band-Aid type, I guess, solution, but that's not even a solution. And I just worry that this is setting a dangerous precedent on all different levels here. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have to go back to just, you know, some of the things that people were seeing in these crowds, right? Like I think they were seeing swastikas, they were seeing like Confederate flags being flown. And, you know, there were there there were racist members of various different groups at these rallies. And it just it just begs the question, like, what exactly is going on here? And then, oh, God, Canada, like, why? Should we ever see a Confederate flag? And I have to say, it wasn't very long ago, maybe two weeks, maybe less, that I was driving, you know, in our neighborhood down. I was going to, I almost dropped the name of the street and I saw a Confederate flag and I'm like, okay, so, so why? Like we have no ties whatsoever to the Confederacy. Why, why would we be seeing Confederate flags being flown in Ottawa or any other place in Canada for that matter? That is really scary. That hits close to home, literally, because I mean, like, this is our neighborhood. And to think that people think that way in our neighborhood and our community is scary. I don't know who this person or who these people are, right? But you don't know really what people are thinking these days. It's actually quite surprising. I think, like, when you move, I was talking to a friend and it's like, when you move somewhere, you look up the walkability, you look up the school district. I almost think you should look up the political situation where you're moving because that's important these days like what are what kind of neighborhood are you uh, what kind of neighbors are you going to be associating with right like you want people to have similar shared values and these are not values that I share so you know these are things that I think about all the time yeah I mean those elements are just really scary and I think we're starting to see this rise of the the you know people who feel much more emboldened to be racist. <laughs> like I, I don't know if there's any other words are really around it. Again, I think it's just it's it's very surprising to me how and maybe it shouldn't be surprising to me to see how how bad actors we have here in Canada and how they're behaving. I know uh, I saw like a funny skit by um Trevor Noah and he's like, "Oh, you know, Canadians are nice. We're not whatever." And it's like, "No, racism lives here too. Like there's no difference. We're not any nicer. We have some really serious problems and we we really need to deal with them." And it, again, I think there was what, what else did I see this week? Oh, I saw I actually read this post today where there are people who are a part of the convoy and this is how far it's gone, Sarah their their child is in palliative care i guess the hospital has said you know based on their their regulations and mandates that unvaccinated people cannot come into the hospital and they're just like you know what we need to be out here in ottawa this is for our daughter your daughter is dying why don't you go take care of your child like what what in the world are you thinking brainwashed that's all it is they've they've been brainwashed to they can't even be a good parent now because they've so been so brainwashed by this movement i just feel like they're not seeing what's right in front of them and i don't know what it's going to take for them to see the truth you know it's really sad 
It's 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 more than sad because it's just like I think I think a lot of people have lost themselves and maybe through the last two years what they're thinking is they they're trying to find a sense of community with with these individuals or like mindedness but this is not the way to go like clearly this is not about mandates anymore we all know it's not about mandates but this other more insidious thing is 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 very very concerning and i think all canadians healthcare workers nurses physicians anybody who listens we should be kind of concerned and i think that you know it's it's very interesting to see kind of some of the things that are unplay, uh, unfolding here so for example like i said i believe it was a fully fully a ruse to um funnel money into these alt right groups and you know go go fund me was shut down give send go an, Amer- an American and Christian organization was their funds were seized and shut down. And I think that's because the government also have been looking into this and saying, well, you know, one, why is a huge percentage of these donors American? And two, they had evidence that there was some, you know, not legal stuff that was happening and that's why they got shut down they have no money and I think I think that's, <laughs> that's kind well, of a funny thing because it's like okay well I mean whatever promises you had made now you don't have those those funds I know lots of people were talking about oh these people have been docs well I think give send go should probably look at having a better IT team than just relying on you know maybe maybe the protection of God to keep their money safe well, I don't really know what's happening, but t- the last I had read that they were trying to fundraise now using crypto. So that was the new thing. <laughs> I don't even know how you fundraise through crypto, oh but there God. must be something on the dark web where you can do that. And right. the other thing I had heard was that they leaked the list of donors from the original GoFundMe. And people in Canada are now boycotting David's Tea because the wife the wife of the founder of David's Tea apparently donated money. She's on the list. And so people are now um, boycotting David's Tea. I don't know who else is on there. I'm sure there's a lot of names we might know. Yeah, I, I saw that there are some like university professors and various different people. I'm trying to see if my father-in-law is on the list. Oh, God. <laughs> <Joke about that. laughs> I, I, I haven't checked, to be honest. I haven't seen the list. I, I, I've seen some screenshots, but I actually haven't seen the list itself. But I mean, again... People are losing their jobs and stuff over over this, and I think I think people need to give them their heads a shake and be like, why why is this group so attractive to me? Like, what exactly is is uh, is my end goal here? Because you know these cries for freedom, whose freedom are they talking about? Because I don't I don't I don't know, Sarah. I don't think they're talking about the freedom for you, and I don't think they're talking about the freedom of for me because. Again, I've seen some very, very horrible things that they've said, lots of anti-Asian racism. Like I've seen them talking again about like the China virus and these various different, very anti-Asian racist types of, uh, I guess, language. I've seen them also have very, very, um, uh, I guess it would be anti-Semitic language as well. Definitely just generalized, you know, racist language when they're talking about depopulization and all this nonsense, really. And I think that, you know, as healthcare providers, we need to be aware of what's happening. <laughs> like we, we just oh, need, yeah. oh, we, yeah. can't, we can't just be like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to go in for my shift and go home and put my head down and not understand what's happening. Like we have to be intricately involved in understanding what's happening because we play a part in this too. 
Right. And we have to call things out in the moment. So one thing that really frustrates me is that about the pandemic is we had so many lessons from SARS, like so many. We had a playbook. We knew what needed to be done, but nothing was done. We didn't, you know, we didn't have the right PPE stockpiled. They were all expired. Like we knew what needed to be done in terms of airborne, in terms of the precautionary principle. And, um, you know, as Andre Picard says, Canada is so great at writing recommendations and doing inquiries, but not great on acting on them because there's no accountability. And so yeah. the issue here is that everyone's just pointing their finger at someone else or they're sticking their head in the sand and nobody wants to deal with this. And it's just a, it's just for me, it's like a, it's just history repeating itself, but on a worse scale. Yeah. And, and speaking about like accountability, Sarah, I mean, I think the the whole world is watching as you know um these various different police officers whether it's ottawa whether it's windsor whether it's toronto we're watching how they're responding to these protesters or i should say i guess they call them now the occupations or whatever and essentially we're seeing a very there is a huge contrast in how these police officers are acting in regards to these uh, this group with the convoy versus, you know, let's say it was the homeless uh, encampments or uh, the the protests by indigenous people on the oil pipelines or, you know, even Black Lives Matter. Like I you're we're watching as, you know, cops are these police officers are hugging the protesters giving them high fives i wouldn't be surprised if some tim horton's coffee was involved you know timbits this bumping on the like on the job is just like okay and when we watched i i i I can't unsee it in toronto with the encampments it's a it's a completely different feel and if these people are saying that all is equal the treatment is not equal no no. The way that they they treated people who were protecting or protesting about, you know, homeless shelters. I think John uh, John Tory came out and it was just like, "Hey, we need to clear these guys out." They had no problem ripping down tents, knocking people over, literally fighting with with people who were who were peacefully protesting. And it was just a completely different show of force. And you know, same with Black Lives Matter where they're just like Tear gas, rubber bullets, full-on police enforcement. I don't think they even waited. No, no. They were basically like, okay, we're coming out of the way. And they didn't even give them a chance to get out of the way. And let's just let's no. just say the elephant in the room here. This protest was overwhelmingly white people. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you are not wrong. Okay. And I, and I, you know, I, I hate when I see, oh, look, look at these two brown guys, these two truckers, they're out here, they're, they're showing support. It's not all white people. Or, you know, they show the one black person like, yeah, look at that one black person in the crowd. Yeah, see, it's not just all white people. And we're like, really, the fact that you have to take a picture and you have to show us the one or two peppered in um, racialized people goes to show that this is a problem that this is this is not the voice of marginalized people this is not the 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 voice of people who are who are being stigmatized or you know people that are racialized the majority of the people that are out there are are caucasian they are white and again this is why i keep on asking like who's freedom are you fighting for <laughs> like are you i don't think you're fighting for my no freedom. definitely not they're fighting for they're fighting for the same things that they continue to 
and the narratives that they're continuing to spin, which is white nationalism, which is white supremacy, which is something, an agenda that I don't think anybody's here here for. And I think people are starting to see it. So let's just go back to the voice of reason for a second, because I remember um, at the beginning of this whole protest, there was a reporter that went out and honestly just wanted to hear their side of the story, right? And I think she spoke to about a hundred different truckers and she was called the C word, like all kinds of nasty shit. And there was only one person who could calmly and logically talk to her about their side. So she was going in there with an open mind and really just wanted to hear their side and they couldn't even explain it to her. Like that's how bad it was. They were just swearing at her, throwing stuff at her, threatening her. Like it was insane. Well, the thing, this is the thing, like, Sarah, you can say, you could just, like, I'm sure if you just put out a tweet and you just said Justin Trudeau, people will just randomly start saying evil shit to you. Just randomly. They won't even, they won't even look at the context. They'll just be like, you said this person's name, you're an evil person. Well, that's, that's what it was about vaccines, right? So all of our tweets about vaccines got hijacked by the anti-vaxxers for a while there. And that was getting really ugly. Like, for example, I could just be like, yeah, you know, I like cheese and ham. And then they're like, oh, my God, Justin Trudeau's the worst. I know. (laughs) Mandates. I'm like, what the f*** are you talking about? Like, I'm talking about the cheese and ham that I just had. Like, but it's weird. Let's just they they inculcate themselves into everything. Oh, it's like I saw Justin Trudeau eat a ham and cheese sandwich once. That's how it'll start. And then it'll just snowball from there. It just snowballs. It's, It's unreal. It's just they are trying to push an agenda. They're trying to push um, their political agenda because this, again, like I like I said, this is not about mandates. This is about pushing a political agenda, pushing their alt-right movement. And, you know, we're not having it. I think the majority of Canadians aren't having it. And, you know, again, this is where... We need to we need to have measures that that should have been dealing with this way in advance, like four weeks in and we're still talking about this like it's insane. And I think that, you know, they're they're not going to listen. These groups of individuals that not just not about the people who are anti-vax or anti-mandate, but the people who are really pushing some of these alt-right viewpoints they have an agenda and the, and they and they're not going to listen because at the end of the day they want to see an, an I guess it would be a eurocentric state they don't they want to see what you know they they talk about like making canada great again and all of these crazy things that you know are homage to trump and white nationalism and it is scary like they may be this fringe minority but they're trying to get funding and are getting funding which is the scariest part. So I think that, you know, we all have a part to play in terms of how we manage what's happening here in Canada. What's how cuz th- this is our home, right? This is this is where we have settled. We are settlers here. But we need to protect what our liberties and rights and freedoms are, not just the freedoms of, you know, this this small group who is really trying to cause a riot. Absolutely. <sighs> So what are we going to do? I know. Well, how do we move forward from here? This is what I'm thinking about in my head. Okay. So, so, so let me just say this. Okay. So I, 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 I'm not, I'm going to, I'm not even going to go down the route of talking about the emergencies act. We've seen that has been enacted. There are differing perspectives. Let's just say this straight off the hop. There are different perspectives on how people view, whether this is an overreach of power 
whether this is like, again, it's unprecedented. So there's a lot of feelings surrounding that. I'm not even going to get into that today. I think let's leave that to the people who know politics best to, to fight that one out. But I think what we can talk about is like, what can your everyday person do about this? One, I think the first thing is dispel myths. We are in this whole disinfodemic pandemic where people are just spewing misinformation like nobody's business. First and foremost, we know that, again, this is not about, you know, truckers. We have over 90% of truckers who are vaccinated who um, agree with the mandates. And then the majority of Canadians agree with the mandates. So cut the shit, stop lying to people and saying that this is a large amount of group of people that feel this way because it's not. We need to stop the this misinformation. Absolutely. And for all of those listening that are healthcare providers, you know, we are in a position of leadership, in a position of trust. So use that for good. Use your platform for good, for spreading evidence-based information. I think um, in a respectful way is always good because you want to, you know, maintain your credibility. So we don't need to resort to name calling or any of that. And I try not to even amplify the voices of those who are trying to do it for the drama. Like it's Yes. I try not, I don't yes, want to give them the attention, that. right? Like they don't deserve that attention. Why should we give it to them? And I think a lot of the issue here is the media, that the amount of media attention that they got was insane. And I'm even thinking about from the US, like the last time that Canada was in this much of a spotlight was when Rob Ford was doing crack. Like how long ago was oh, that? No. 10 years ago? I won't even yeah, get that into was, that. That was a hot minute. Yeah. It was a hot mess. And it was just like, it just became like this comedy show. And I think this is what it's becoming. But the root issues are serious and we need to figure out how we can move forward from this. And I really hope that this isn't the beginning of more things to come of this nature. Yeah. Again, like even just circling back to the whole like aspect of misinformation, please, please do your homework, right? Like you can't just watch Fox News. You can't just watch all these right-wing media and just be like oh yeah this is this is like the best and again you know what i'm i'm gonna say not all all the time does media actually get it right either right there's there's media that i'm like oh, i didn't really like how they spun that or whatever the case may be but do your own homework do your own research you guys can google these people's names for yourself and see what they stand for and be like oh maybe that is not what i stand for and again like you said sarah call out the bad actors and the other piece that I think is important is we, we do have a part to play. There's an election coming. And I think that it's going to be really important to hear what, you know, some of these leaders are are saying, like, what are what's what's most important to you? I think for us, we'll, we're going to be looking for things specific to healthcare and how they can mobilize having a stronger force with nursing, looking at, you know, the healthcare system because it has collapsed and really how do we go forward in dealing with some of these issues? And our political leaders really need to speak to that. They need to speak to say, hey, this is what's been happening and here's how we're going to fix it. Here's how we're going to make it better. So I'd urge people who are listening that, yes, there's an election coming around. If you haven't voted or you're just new to, to, to being out there to vote, please get out there and find out about the candidates. Know who you're voting for. Know what they stand for. Do they align with your views and your viewpoints? And if they don't, you need to find a different political candidate. We do hear about all the time of, you know, people who are just like, I, my my family's conservative, so I just vote conservative. Don't do that. Like, just please look at 
does this person's values support your values? Are they your values? Are the things that you truly believe in and things that you want to truly see? And and get out there and vote. I think that's going to be another key element to to what we might be seeing over the next um, coming months. And this is a very stressful time for everybody. And I think that the other piece maybe that I'd say is I think people just need to take a break from some of the social media and just media in general. It is it is wild and it is it's hard to keep track of everything that's happening. No, it's true. It's true. It can be really insane. And like, think about the amount of time you're spending on media every day. And how do you feel afterwards? If you feel really stressed, if you feel anxious, if you feel depressed, that might be a sign to take a step back. And really, if anything important is going to happen, somebody will probably tell you like your friends or your family. So you know what I started doing? I started watching TED Talks videos (laughs) just for some inspiration. And for a break from all of this, it was nice just to, you know, balance that out a little bit but I think that just going back to the misinformation like if you have family or friends who you feel are misinformed you're probably the best person to talk to right because they trust you you have a relationship with them just start small and that's a good way to kind of see how you can have these difficult conversations and really just um, encourage people to explore other points of view and not just get all their information from one source. I agree. And and let's touch on the topic that I think most people want to shy away from, which is counter-protesting. So talking about and protesting about things that you might not agree with, saying that, you know, these viewpoints don't align with mine, or I think we need we need change in terms of how this government is run. I think peaceful protests are important. I think that's that is the way that we exercise our democracy as long as it does remain peaceful. And one of the things that I, I'd say nursing it probably we're we're starting to see a little bit of it now, which is which is insane because I don't remember ever being to a protest other than this year, right? No, never. Like, it was my first one. Workers, like I don't know how often healthcare workers get involved in these things, but you know, um, counter protesting I think is actually another important thing. Like, look what happened in Toronto. There were the trucker convoy came into Toronto and it didn't last long because there were healthcare workers that were out there counter protesting me like, no, this is my city and we don't agree with what you're saying. We have such a large amount of people who don't agree with some of these thoughts and ideologies that are being spun, but are very fearful to, you know, take that step out to counter protest to go say that, you know, I don't agree with this stuff because again, you know, we've seen in the in other examples where, you know, um, police are, could be very forceful or the fear of, you know, maybe the person on the other side attacking or any of those types of things. But I think having a movement of being a counter-protester and we, we've we had the opportunity to be counter-protesters as well. Oh, I wouldn't say, I guess we wouldn't have been well, it was more of a rally, but we were still. more of a rally, yeah. but still. I think the, the idea behind going to a movement and saying, you know what, I stand for this is what I stand for. And I don't, I stand against alt-right. I, I think that we have to find a way that we can do this safely. And I think that we should be more people. Like if we are the voice of Canada, not our political leaders, and it's these, these groups of individuals, then why aren't more people coming out and saying that this is bullshit? I know I'm swearing a lot in this episode, but this is super, super frustrating. And I hope that you guys all can understand how frustrating this is. And I'm sure that you're frustrated too, but I think maybe the other aspect is maybe there is something you can do. Maybe we can go out and counter protest in a safe way when it, when it seems like it's the right thing to do. 
that we do go out and we we show that solidarity with people saying that yeah we don't we don't agree with their ideology <laughs> right and strength in numbers is key right so we're talking about 85% versus 15% so this is a very large but vocal minority and we need to come out as the majority and we need you know strength in numbers and safety in numbers really because if we can outnumber them then we've got the upper hand yeah and i think i think one of the things is like i, I was I, w- I sat on uh it was like a twitter spaces where they were talking about counter protests and they were talking about like how do we keep ourselves safe and and i think um learning about some of that those elements might be really good so i i heard people talking about buddy systems and having having ways to you know if things were to get violent like what's your escape plan and various different things like that but i think that you know maybe you take the time to learn what it might look like and if you feel comfortable that you should go i think that um i'll be honest i i, I can't run so that really sucks for me but i think <laughs> yeah. that you know if there is another counter protest i might make my way down there because you know what i think i should say that i don't agree with these alt right groups i don't agree with the way that this has been handled and the way that it's been handled and i i think that you know there is, like you said, Sarah, there is solidarity in numbers. And maybe by lending a little bit of my voice, I can, uh, again, make some change in that way as well. I think there's a lot that we can take away. And I think that, again, the other pieces that I'd probably add is to protect your mental health. It's been really hard over the last three weeks. I've heard some really terrible things. I've experienced some really terrible things in my life over the last three weeks. Again, just protect yourself, protect your own mental health. And, you know, whether that's getting off of Twitter, whether that's decreasing your your media intake, whether that is not engaging with that Twitter troll, whether that is, you know, just taking a day out for yourself to go get a massage or, you know, eat a cheeseburger or whatever that you need to do. I think that we are not focusing on the things that we should be. And mental health is a huge, huge, huge component. Time and time again, we need to talk about it. It's been over two years of this pandemic. And I, I think that mental health should have been at the forefront. And that's probably why we're seeing some of the behaviors that we're seeing now. And I think that we, you one, if you can protect your mental health, please do. And two, if you feel that you need help and support, take the time that you need. Absolutely. That is so key. And I think that we can't emphasize this enough because it's just gotten to the point where I think um, people are numb to it now and they feel like, you know, I've run out of coping mechanisms. I'm going to turn to unhealthy coping mechanisms, which may involve, you know, drinking might be other risky activities. And really, you need to fill your cup first before you can help anyone else. I agree. And as healthcare providers, I can't emphasize that enough. I 100, 100% agree. So please take care of yourself. Know what's happening. Fight that misinformation. And maybe uh, maybe we'll see you at the next counter protest. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>